But with that, let's bring up Matt Anderson. Thanks, Kurt. You're kind, um, and uh, uh, I really appreciate the, uh, the chance to be here with you all this morning, and it's uh, uh, a real privilege to be able to share uh, something that I'm very excited about. Um, so some of you may know I uh, serve right now in, uh, the, in Patterson as the Executive Director of Starfold Ministries, um, and I've been serving in that position for uh, almost five years now. I've been involved in Starfold for eight or nine years. I can't believe how how time has uh, really flown by, but um, I'd like to share with you a little bit of um, the journey that we've been on as a team at Star of Hope over the last five years, and I think there's some things that can hopefully be rel really relevant for you as a takeaway um, as you guys go out uh, uh, in your networks of teams, in your jobs, at home, in ministry, wherever it might be. So, um, you might have read in my bio, I'm, I'm obsessed with the idea of, of team. Um, I grew up playing sports. Uh, I was a, a basketball player, played at, uh, at the high school and college level. Um, and, and I've been a part of uh, uh, work teams, school teams, uh, uh, business teams, uh, some that are very, very high functioning and operating well. And raise your hand if you've ever been a part of a team that's dysfunctional, right? <laughs> I think we probably all at some point have, have dealt with, with some of the uh, dysfunction along the way. But um, for us at Star of Hope, we've been on this journey uh, really since right after I took over as, as the executive director, where um, we really started to make a, a priority of making sure that we are all being team players. And if you guys are familiar with Patrick Lencioni and some of his work at all. Um, this was a life-changing book for us. It's called The Ideal Team Player. I would highly, highly recommend this to any one of you to read this. Basically what they do is they summarize what it means to be a team player. And it means that it is somebody that is humble, hungry, and smart. And if you're lacking one of those three things, you're gonna be lacking in your team player uh, uh, traits. And let me just say, so humility, that means that we understand it's not all about us, right? Hungry means that we've got some drive in us. Smart means it's actually talking about emotional and social intelligence, right? It's not, it's not IQ, it's EQ, right? And if you're lacking in one of those areas, you're not going to be the team player that God calls you to be. So you might even be thinking of somebody right now that's getting under your skin and you're saying, oh yeah, that person's not humble. That's part of their problem. Or that they're, they're, they're arrogant, they're prideful. And it's, you can really whittle down and actually address a lot of issues amongst the team just by reinforcing those three things. And it's been very transformative to us to, uh, uh, to build our team at Star of Hope. I'll, 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 I'll summarize it this way because um, what it really came down to for us with uh, making a priority of being team players is we wanted to make sure that we had the right people on the bus, okay? Some of you have maybe read Jim Collins' work, thing like that, where it's important to have the right people on the bus <coughs> on your team. And that has allowed us to prioritize that. When we hire, the number one thing we hire for is not resume or qualifications, it's are they a team player? And if they're not a team player, we're not even gonna waste our time because all it's gonna do is disrupt our culture, right? 
this healthy team culture that we've built. And I can tell you, uh, uh, if there was one thing that I wanted to brag about, about Star of Hope, it's that we have a really good team. When COVID-19 hits, we were able to respond in some pretty remarkable ways in serving the city of Patterson, uh, distributing in six months over a million pounds of food because of some of the partnerships and with only a, a staff of, of less than 15 at the time. It was, it was pretty, pretty remarkable how we were able to respond. And I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt it's because we had team players on the bus. There's a couple of them here. I just want to call them out, right? Rich Bisworm, some of you guys know him. He's been with us for 21 or 22 years. Spencer Scott, Matt Carpenter, Jose's on our board. Edgar X on our board, he's not here today, but uh, so if I'm missing anybody, forgive me, but um, oh, is that on, it's online, hello, Ed. Hello, Robert Tenney, I know you're there online too, uh, uh, and all the other guys out there, but it's been so important for us to build this uh, team, uh, uh, um, this team culture along the way. But here's the thing, there's also times, even with the right people on the bus sometimes, where teams get stuck where teams struggle to get stuff done. There's other times where they thrive, but there's some times where they get stuck. And it's important to have the right people on the bus. That's a good first step. But as we started to go through this process of learning and growing as a team, uh, the question that started to come up was, how can we make sure that we have them in the right seats on the bus? Right. If you've ever read Good to, Good to Great by Jim Collins, that's a big point that he makes in that book is having them in the right seats on the bus. So what if we can create this work and ministry culture where we not only have a good team environment, but we have people working in the areas that actually bring them joy and fulfillment in their lives. Right. So there's some questions for you guys as leaders. Have you ever felt like you've just been stuck with something moving forward? Just kind of nod your heads with me. If you've ever felt like a project or something that you've been trying to do has been stuck, right? Have you ever felt unsure about where certain people fit into the, the scheme of things? Or have you ever been in a meeting and you've come up with lots of great ideas and it seems like nothing ever gets done? Right? Somebody's, somebody's uh, nodding there, right? Is there a decision that you're struggling with right now to try to figure out what to do? And some responses to this, and you'll see where I'm going with this, and I, I want to provide for some discussion, and then I'm going to wrap it all up with actually some biblical application towards the end. But what if there was a tool that allowed us to gain an instant better understanding of ourselves and the way that we were wired to deal with these things? And what if there was a tool to help us know what kind of work we should be doing or what kind of work we shouldn't be doing? That's a big question, right? If there was a way to help us learn how our team, whether it's at work or at home, that's a team in the household, right? You gotta be able to work well together or in ministry to, to get much more done by tapping into the unique gifts of everybody on that team. If there was something to help us do that, and this is where about 18 months ago, Patrick Lencioni actually came out with a new model. It's very, very new, and it's called the working genius model. 
Has anybody here ever heard of the Working Genius? Unless, unless you maybe just read my bio. But so this is this is brand new for almost everybody. A few of you have maybe because you talked to me about it. Obviously, my staff team has. Right. I want to introduce you guys to the Working Genius model, and we're going to have some discussion around this in a little bit. Okay. He rolled this out about 18 months ago. I've actually had the privilege uh, over over the last six months or so to actually go through uh, a whole my wife and I. Uh, uh, through a whole certification program with his organization, the Table Group, to become certified working genius model uh, facilitators. Um, and this, this model is a tool that can help us understand uh, uh, it's uh, how we can get work done, right? That's one of the key elements of this model. So you might say, well, well how does this work? It, it starts actually with a, an online assessment if any of you wanted to go to workinggenius.com and you can learn more about it, you can pay $25, you can do a 10 minute assessment and you can get some instant feedback on how you're wired and how, how your, your, your DNA kind of uh, functions as far as getting some things done. And you might say, well, is it just another personality test? Is this like anybody here ever done like a disc assessment or Myers-Briggs or or Enneagram or one of those things, right? You maybe, is it just another one of those things? I, I, I get excited about it because it's, it's different in the sense that um, it provides instant feedback. Some of those things, you've got to really drill down into them on, on how to actually apply this to your life. But this is, I, I, I'm pretty confident you're all going to be able to walk out of here with something just from my brief presentation today. And normally we do this over a two to four hour kind of seminar period, but you're going to be able to walk away with something very quickly today because it's instant feedback. It, it, it's uh, unique because it not only looks at the individual, but it looks at where the individual fits amongst the team, right? So that's one of the, one of the unique parts about it. We can look at an Enneagram or a Myers-Briggs, but all that's looking at is one person. But how does the whole team fit together as a unit? Most importantly, I think, is it actually taps into not necessarily what you're good at. It's tapping into what fuels you, what brings you joy and fulfillment. Very different conversations. It's not necessarily just, well, I'm good at this thing, so I should do that. What if that thing that you're good at sucks the life out of you, right? That's a very different conversation, but this is talking about What's your, what fuels you, what brings you joy and fulfillment, and on the flip side, what drains you and what leads to frustration, right? That's important to know. So it's a, it's a simple kind of rhetorical question that I want to ask you guys, but wouldn't we all like to find more joy and fulfillment in our work and in our ministry and with our families? That sounds like a really good thing, right? And I, I, I get so excited about this because I believe this is a tool that can help us think through how to do that. So I'm going to take just five minutes to outline for you guys exactly what this model is and how it works. Hopefully my markers are not dried out here. Okay. Remember, this is, this is a model that is, it's really 80% productivity. It's 20% personality, right? So think about the process. There's actually six steps that we're going to talk through about how stuff gets done, okay? And you can't get stuff done without going through this entire six-step process. 
The first step, the first area of genius is called the genius of wonder. Okay, the person that has the genius of wonder, this is the person that loves to speculate and to question things. They say things like, why, why are things this way? Couldn't we do better? Isn't there a better way? They identify the need for something to change or for an improvement to be made. And what they do by just asking the question, you might say, well, that's what, why is that even important? This is, you're never going to get to the next step, which is actually the step of invention. So the wonderer, the wonderer says, couldn't we do this better? And the inventor responds to that and says, I've got an idea. Anybody here an idea person? There's some of you that uh, probably right away, you're like, oh man, I've always got ideas. That might be your area of genius. If you're an idea person, if you're the inventor, they love to come up with new ideas. They're innovating. They love a blank whiteboard, right? They love to solve problems. However, in the process of getting things done, the inventor does not always know whether their idea is a good idea or not. That's an important step in the process, right? And that's where the discerner comes in play, into play. The genius of discernment. This is the person that takes the inventor's ideas and they evaluate it. And they love to do this kind of thing. They love to say, hey, let's, let's look at it and see how we can nuance this, how, whether it can work or whether we just need to go back to the drawing board. They know how to connect the dots and give feedback across a broad range of topics. They often go back and forth with the inventor saying, let's improve this, let's change this slightly, assessing it and reassessing it until the discerner finally says, hey, I think this is good to go. I think we're ready to go with this. But now what has to happen is the idea needs to have somebody to champion the idea, to say, let's, let's get everybody on board. And that is the genius of galvanizing, okay? This is the person, they love to get things moving. They love to get people together and say, that's a great idea, we need everyone's help. Everybody come on out. They're great at pushing people out of their comfort zone and getting them rallied around an idea. That's the galvanizer, but the galvanizer is looking for a certain kind of person. To, to, to galvanize around this idea. And this is the kind of person is, is referred to as the genius of enablement. Now, this is not in the negative sense. We can sometimes think of enabling as a negative thing, right? But the enablement genius is the genius where the person says simply, how can I help? How Just tell me what to do. Let me help out. I'll do whatever it takes, right? That's the genius of enablement. The last one, because sometimes even the genius enablement, uh, the genius of enablement is not enough to get the job done. The last one is what's referred to as the genius of tenacity. This is the person that loves checklists. <laughs> Have any of you ever put something on a checklist just so you can check it off? 
<laughs> right? <laughs> Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You finish the task, it's like, well, that wasn't even on my list, but I'm going to add it to my list so I can check off the checklist, right? And you get joy and fulfillment from driving a project home to full completion, right? That's the genius of tenacity. Now, remember, this is not just about what you're good at. This is about what fuels you and brings you joy and fulfillment. So you might even now be thinking about, oh, I, yeah, I can see where when I do things, when I do activities that fit one of these areas, I really get fired up about it. It's exciting to me. Or maybe some things that really just, just uh, uh, suck the life out of you. For me, I'll tell you right now, my areas of genius, it's interesting because my wife and I have the, almost the exact same profiles. My areas of genius are wonder and discernment. So you know that, and my areas of frustration are uh, galvanizing and tenacity. So you know what that means? That means that around our house, my wife is the same way, around our house, we have 150 different projects that have all been started and nothing's been finished, right? We, we, we you know, finish anything around our house because we don't have that genius. It's frustrating to us to have to drive stuff through to, uh, to completion. Here's the last thing I wanna share with you. You see down here, I wrote 222. As Patrick Lencioni has rolled this out, there's been over 200,000 people over the last 18 months that have taken this assessment. And they've come to find that everybody has two areas of genius, two areas of what they refer to as competency, and two areas of frustration. You like my handwriting there too, right? Um, so, and this is, this is just kind of how it all works out, how we're all wired, where everybody has two areas of genius that, that fuel them, that give them energy. And there's a whole bunch of different combinations about how this could work out. Two areas of frustration that suck the life out of them, that they just, that those types of tasks are just, they're really, really hard work. They're hard to get stuff done. Two areas of competency that are kind of in the middle that maybe don't fuel you. They don't suck the life out of you. Maybe you can do them if you have to, but it's not like the ideal for you, the ideal situation that you want to be in. The whole point of all of this is in order to get things done as a team, all six of these steps, all six of these types of activities need to be present. I'll give you one example that they found uh, as they started to roll this out with some fortune, fortune 500 companies. They were actually working with Nike. You guys ever heard of that company? Um, yes, that's right. They were working with an executive team at Nike and they started having conversation. And you guys may have heard people talk about uh, different phases of work where you have, you have the ideation stage and then you have you have that stage of getting stuff done, right? And there's actually this stage in here with discernment and galvanizing that Nike started to realize, oh my goodness, we're coming up with all of these ideas and we're just putting them out to people to, 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 to create the products, to get it done. And the people down here uh, that are in enablement and tenacity, the manufacturers, the, the, uh, the people uh, 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 actually selling the products to the end user, they're saying, 
these products suck, right? Why are you guys coming up with these ridiculous ideas? And Nike at the highest level said, oh my goodness, we're completely missing the discernment and the galvanizing piece. We need people on our development teams that are saying, "How is this actually a good product? And then we need people uh, uh, selling the idea to the rest of the organization. And it was a transformative thing for them when they first started to look at this model on how they get stuff done. Think about it in the home real quick. Like I said, for my wife and I, it's completely changed how we operate with things. If it's something that requires galvanizing, enablement, and tenacity, one of the first things my wife and I say is, do we need to outsource this to somebody else, right? That's, that's an easy, easy application for us in some of these areas. What I wanna do for, with you guys, and I'm gonna give you guys about 10 or 15 minutes because I know a big part of this is to be able to have some discussion. I'm gonna ask my team members uh, to come up real quick. And I have a paper here for you. Let me grab one for me. And this is much nicer than my handwriting on the marker board, um, but it actually outlines for you what this model looks like with the, the, the uh, five letters you might've noticed it spells out the word widget, so it's easy to remember. Um, and you'll see that on the front of the page. On the back of the page towards the bottom, there's four different reflection questions that you guys can just talk through very briefly. Number one, how does this model resonate with you? Some of you might be saying, I have no idea what Matt's talking about. That's okay too, right? Some of you are saying, this makes a lot of sense. That's good too, right? How does this resonate you? with you. What do you believe may be your area of genius, frustration, or tenacity? I've seen this already before with just a five-minute presentation where people say, oh, I know for a fact that's me. And then they take the assessment and it actually proves them right. It was that obvious to them. Where can you see your area of genius play out in your work or at home or with your church and your ministry? And then lastly, share ways where your areas of frustrations show up. So like I said, we're going to take about 10 or 15 minutes. You guys can uh, talk at your tables through those questions. I'm actually, I know this is a little different from what you guys generally do with the energy groups, but I'm going to come back up at the end of that and, uh, and we'll kind of wrap up some of those ideas. And I have one big idea, one big takeaway that I want you guys to walk away with today, which is actually the biblical application, or I should say the biblical parallel of some of these ideas, which is what really gets me excited about this. Sound good? Yeah. All right, go, have at it. Thank you guys.
or, or really we, we only have just a few minutes to, to kind of wrap some of these ideas up, but uh, somebody real quick share with me in 20 seconds or less how this may have resonated with you or maybe it, it kind of uh, uh, a light bulb went off in your head. Anybody want to want to uh, real quick? Oh, I guess uh, it's a reminder about our, you know, myself, ourselves, of what we're good at, where our strengths lie, yeah. and where our liabilities lie. I, I tend to be more on the, the wonder and invention, and very, you know, weaker in the in, in uh, enablement and tenacity of yeah. finishing or driving a project to the end. Yeah, good. Brian, what is your skill of going between the stages? Like, when's the next time to move into discernment? When's the next time to build this out? Yeah. You know, when's the next time to say, we need to yeah. have you all there and put a spreadsheet around this? Yeah. That skill, I feel I have some yeah. of that. And maybe as a leader, you have that yourself. Yeah. That's super. If you've ever been involved in meetings and you're in a meeting and it's a wonder and invention meeting and you're sitting there saying, just tell me what to do. <laughs> right? Just tell me. Right, Matt? You ever been there? <laughs> and uh, and so being able to clarify, there's there's people that will actually take this and write this on the marker board in their meeting room and say, guys, just so you know, this is an I meeting, and this is what we're going to be. And the worst thing is if you're in the enablement and tenacity stage, and somebody comes into it and starts inventing again, and you're saying, oh, we had it all figured out, right? <laughs> so it's a it's a it's an important thing. Uh, anybody, real quick, somebody share. Uh, what you may have felt. This is question number two. Anybody have it real obvious to you what may have been an area of genius or frustration? Anybody want to share something stuck out to you? Doug, go for it. Well, basically, one of the things that you said that in my head is when you talk about emotional intelligence. Mm. You know, that's for me. It, it, it sums it up. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's. I I don't know what definition of emotional intelligence that you're using, but from what I understand, emotional intelligence to uh, to me and it really wraps yeah. this. Uh, yeah. So when 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 Patrick Lencioni talks about the team player, he refers to that smart category as understanding how your words and actions affect others, and understanding how their words and actions affect you, right? And that's really what it what it comes down to with that. So that's good. What about at work or at home or in ministry? Any kind of applications or things that kind of kind of stick out out for you guys? And this is uh, uh, really question number three. Anybody have an area where they're involved in a group and you're you're you see your working genius at play? Nobody. Yes, go for it. Yeah, same, similar to the gentleman here. He's on in invention or a particular like I have This is super helpful when you can start to identify certain people. So when, when it comes to galvanizing around something like that, then your teammates even know like, okay, we can kind of lean on this person to kind of take the charge in, in this part of the process of getting things done. So it's super helpful when, when you start to have an understanding of, of how your team, and, and when you go through this full process, 
we actually put together a whole team map for you where you can see everybody's uh, areas of, of, of genius and, uh, and frustration. I share with you guys, for me at home, this has been, this has been even as a parent, and I'd encourage you guys, check out uh, the Working Genius Podcast. If you want to, if you want to listen to this, uh, uh, they've got maybe 15 or 20 episodes so far, and they talk to, through different facets of this. One of the most fascinating ones is making the application for parenting and really starting to, and they're actually developing a, an assessment for youth um, so that you can start to help uh, youth identify their working genius. And my wife and I are looking at my 11 year old son and we're starting to say like, oh man, he drives us crazy with this stuff. And now we're saying, oh, well, maybe it's because he's an inventor and we're asking him to do all tenacity kind of stuff. And that's his area of frustration. And it helps us to have a better understanding of how people are wired. I want to jump to my application because my time is short here. But one of the most key applications for us in this that I have found is um, that it relieves us on a team of guilt and it relieves us of judgment. And I think this is so key for us. It teaches your team self-awareness or like Doug was saying, the whole of uh, emotional intelligence piece, right? Self-awareness and others' awareness. Some of, the, some of the worst things that can plague us in marriage or in family or at work is, is a lack of self-awareness and other awareness, right? And it results in feelings of rejection and shame. So there's this idea of being free of guilt where don't feel bad if you don't enjoy certain parts of the process at work, right? God has not wired you that way. And that's okay, right? Don't feel, don't feel guilty about it. You may have the genius of invention, but you may hate to galvanize people like me. <laughs> that sucks the life out of me. Accept it. Accept that's how you are made and recognize that you actually need other people mm. to shore you up in that area. Don't, uh, really, it, it provides freedom from guilt in those areas or not being enthusiastic. Judgment can be just as dangerous. When we look at other people and we see someone not succeeding in a certain area and we're like, what's up with that guy, right? And we start to judge them and put them down and we say, well, they're maybe just dumb or they're lazy or uh, whatever kind of thing we want to judge them with. But once we start to understand their area of genius, I saw this as a leader where I had a staff member where I was asking them to galvanize. And for like a year, I was like, why are they not getting this done? And then we did the working genius and we did a, a 10 minute video on this. And right away, this person said, I hate galvanizing. And I said, oh, <laughs> I didn't even realize I was asking. And then they said, that. I said, Man, this is it's life changing for us as an organization, because now I realized. And then and then actually we hired a new staff member. I was sharing uh, with Dave. We hired a new staff member and I realized this new person needs to be a galvanizer and an enabler because we knew that was what's going to fit his role and his, his uh, uh, slot on the team. Here's the biblical application I want to make for you. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you'll see there at the very bottom of your page, I kind of outlined some of these points because I want you to be able to walk away with these things. This is so important for the body of Christ. 
This is so important for us as the body of Christ. If you read the New Testament, Paul, he goes through and he says, here's the gospel, guys. And now here's how we live out the gospel because of this amazing truth of what God has done for us. Now we need to do this. And overwhelmingly, one of the key elements that he brings up is he says things like, be of one mind, be like-minded. He says, don't think too highly of yourselves, but put others above yourselves, right? He's, he's talking about this idea of, of building unity in the body of Christ. This is where I get off the charts excited about some of this stuff, where we need each other, especially in these crazy times that we live in more than ever, we need each other in this process. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. I was introduced to this passage the first time in uh, middle school church league basketball when Pat Tabasco was my coach. I don't know if you remember Pat Tabasco at all, but this was our team verse for six years of church league basketball. Our, uh, and it's this passage where Paul talks about unity and diversity in the body. You might be familiar with it, where he says, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say to the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Let me rephrase it. If the inventor should say to the galvanizer, I'm not a part of the body, or if the tenacity person says to the wonder, I'm not a part of the body, does that make them less part of the body? Paul would say no a thousand times. No, we need each other if we want to be able to move things forward for the kingdom of God. So point number one here on that verse is <laughs> do not count yourself out. That's really what Paul is saying. We need everybody on this bus and in the right seats on the bus for the kingdom of God. Every single guy in here, whatever guilt, whatever lie the enemy might tell you, about your role in the church, forget about it, right? You need, we need you on the bus for the kingdom of God. The second part passage, Paul flips the coin a little bit, a couple of verses down, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you, right? How many times have we done that to other people in the body of Christ and we act like, well, we got it all together. Our church is the bee's knees. We don't need that church over there. That's baloney, right? We need each other. Point number two is do not write each other off. This is part of what the working genius helps us to understand in the context of a team is we cannot afford to write other people off. The last part I'll talk to you about here, I'll mention to you, is the verses towards the end. Paul says, that there should be, the whole reason he's writing this, is that there should be no schism or no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all of the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all of the members rejoice in it. Guys, it's this idea that we're all connected. We are inextricably tied to each other. I like to talk about this as it relates to churches in Patterson, which I serve all, all the time, where the success of the church of Patterson is inextricably tied to the success of the church of Bergen County. We can't have a successful church in Bergen County without a successful church in Patterson and vice versa. 
it's biblically and theologically impossible. Amen. We need all of these things to be at play if we want to see the kingdom of God at work the way God intended Amen. for it to be. Amen. Guys, you can probably hear my passion about this, yeah. right? I get a little bit excited, but this is so, so important for all of us at work, at home, in ministry, as members of the kingdom of God, guys, we've, 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 we've got to have all of us on the bus and we've got to be willing to recognize our gifts and our talents and how God wants to use us and make sure we get ourselves in the right seat on the bus. Amen? Amen. 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 With that said, last thing I'll say is if you guys want to talk more, I'm excited about this. Happy to talk more. We're actually part of what we're offering as Star of Hope is is like a consultancy where we can actually come and work with your team to help your team think through some of these issues, whether it's church or work or ministry or family or whatever like that. Would love to have further conversation about that and what that could look like. Also, June 4th, Star of Hope, we're going to be hosting a three or four hour seminar on this at Star of Hope. You're welcome to come that Saturday as well. Sound good? Yeah. Can I, can I pray real quick? Is that okay if I pray? God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for each, uh, each person here, Lord, and the way you are using them and the way you want to use them, Lord. And I pray, I pray, I pray that you would use this talk, use this conversation that we've had, uh, Lord, just to help us understand ourselves better, to help us understand each other better, Lord. We can't count ourselves out. We can't write each other off. We need each other more than ever, Lord. Use this group in a powerful, powerful way, Lord. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.